0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to Live Mana Ministries Presents Gratitude Unfiltered. I am your host, Joshua T. Berglund, and we are being broadcast now on the Live Mana Worldwide Multimedia Broadcast Network. So if you're watching on social media, please like, subscribe, share, whether it's YouTube, Periscope, Facebook, doesn't matter. Uh, Those of you watching on the network, I appreciate the support very, very much. Uh, It means a great deal because we are censorship free there. So (laughs) that's always nice. Uh, It's always a little unpredictable what's going to happen on the social media platforms, uh, especially with my latest round of uh, posts. And, uh, you know, it's really interesting. And I'm excited about our guest, by the way. I'm really excited because I hate to call her just a regular person, but she's not here to promote anything. She's just here to talk about how she met Jesus. (laughs) What a novel concept. (laughs) She didn't even want to promote anything. What? like? Whatever, but that's amazing. So I'm excited about her guest. You know what I'm also excited about? I'm excited for rejection. Why am I excited for rejection? Because it just it, it, it basically makes a promise of God come true. Uh, it's interesting how many people label me as a conspiracy theorist or they think that I'm a Trump supporter or whatever. Even though I voted for Kanye, that's I, I still don't get it. But I lost one of the best relationships um, of my life—not relationship as in romantic, but kind of like a brother, sister, friend. Uh, it, it was a close relationship, and somebody that I would do anything for in the world, in, including now, even though I've been disowned for my beliefs. God said there was we were going to come into these times, so here we are. It's hard for me to get real upset about it, but it. You know, I mean, I guess maybe if intimately, if I were secretly, if I was, if I was being honest, like it does suck. It does, you know, I mean, it's never fun to lose. Like I don't have, it's not like I have a bunch of friends anyway, but to lose somebody that matters to me because of my beliefs. ah, ah, But what it does, even though it upsets me, it upsets me. It does. I'll admit it upsets me. And even though that happened it also makes my faith 50 times stronger. So now I'm just like, screw it, I'm going all in. I'm gonna hurt people's feelings. Not on purpose, because ultimately I want to be an expression of love. But part of love is being honest and being truthful. And that goes with everything. You can't just say, I'm gonna speak the truth, but then I'm gonna keep something secret or so I'm gonna keep something suppressed. No, it's gotta be with all of it. And an example of that was what, Thursday or Friday, when I came on here, and I talked about the fact that for two weeks, I've basically been paralyzed with my thoughts because the devil was coming at me in my sleep, giving me these, these crazy, very real dreams that I was phys- that physically taking, taking the effect of it, like it was carrying over into when I was awake, and then I would go to sleep with it. So we got to talk about all of it. We got to talk about our screw-ups. We got to talk about our mess-ups. This is part of... I believe the walk with the Lord. This is part of confession. This is part of repentance. And I'll tell you one thing. In my case, the reason why being so public with everything is because, well, frankly, it's easy for me to hide. I wanted to hide after sharing that basically I was having all of these really dirty, crazy thoughts of sex and drug dreams that felt real. And it was like, it was tormenting me. Like, I felt after sharing that, I wanted to hide. So what did I do when we went out and did street ministry that night? I got up and when everyone is like praying and worshiping and getting ready to do street ministry, I went back on stage and talked about it again in front of a room of people that, mm, you know, could be judgmental. You know, because it's the church crowd. And let me tell you something. After sharing it, I didn't feel real good either. I felt very naked, alone. I felt very afraid. It's not the most fun thing in the world, but this is part of the spiritual battle that we're in. So, and and this all goes with the territory and some of it's really uncomfortable. Some of it's new. Some of it's like, yeah, I'm ready for that. But I'm telling you right now, strap in folks. This is going to be an amazing week. It's going to be crazy, but it's going to be an amazing week. And I'm not prophetic I'm not prophetic, I don't think, but I'm telling you, it's going to be an amazing week. And this is where the healing begins because you cannot heal without the truth. Like you can't. And the truth is coming, the truth is going to be delivered. And it doesn't, it's not always comfortable. So I'm getting my mind, my spirit, and my body prepared for what's coming. That said, part of this, and the reason why I believe it's so important for people to share their testimonies is because not everyone's going to relate to my wicked past. Not everyone's going to be able to look at that and go, yeah, that dude's crazy. Because, you know, I mean, people do look at me like I'm crazy. I'm okay with that. But the importance of your testimony is so that God can bring you the people that you are to help because we are here on this earth to be a blessing to others. Our testimony to me is the most loving expression of loving expression of love that we can give. It's the ultimate example of love is sharing our testimony. And it doesn't matter how crazy it is. Some people just woke up when they, when they came out of their mom and they were born into the world, they came in saved already, just because they, for whatever reason, were that lucky. (laughs) And they got to live that Aussie and Harriet life. But they served the Lord nonetheless. Like, that testimony is just as powerful as the wicked, ugly one. So today, we get a testimony. And I'm excited to have actually a friend, somebody that I've known for years, come on the show and share her heart. About how she found God and uh, what God means to her. So, ladies and gentlemen, I am blessed to have you here. Thank you for being here. Um, We'll be right back after this. So proud of my wife. She put that together. I'm so I'm I'm so grateful for her because without her, all of these amazing things that are coming together that were inside my head would never be reality. And I, I just I watching that I just want to thank Jessica because again without her I would not be getting to do anything that I'm getting to do now. So I love you, Jess. Ladies and gentlemen, I am so excited to welcome my friend Jessica Rappaport. Gratitude Unfiltered. What's up, Jessica?
1: Good morning, Joshua. I'm excited to be here and share with you and anyone else who's out there listening.
0: Well, first things first, what are you grateful for today?
1: I am really grateful for uh, several things. One, my family is very healthy. That's the number one thing right now. Two, my sister's visiting from Rhode Island, so it's always a blessing to have her here with us and... Uh, three, that when I'm, you know, that I'm here getting to share my testimony with you and whoever is meant to hear it.
0: Well, that's awesome. And I, I applaud you for stepping up because I, it's been a month or so now since I basically said I dared anybody to come share their testimony. And I wanted to give people the opportunity to promote whatever they wanted to promote, but you're like, I got nothing to promote. I just, I just want to give my Promoting
1: testimony. Jesus.
0: So, but if you want to promote something you can, it's not too late but I am grateful that you're here I'm grateful that you're stepping up because I believe that after you share your testimony, and again I don't know what it is, but after you share your testimony, I believe that other regular people that have nothing to promote, they just want to talk about what God's done for them, they're going to step up and do the same, so you're a leader and I thank you for that
1: Awesome, that's what I hope, that's my hope
0: so first things, uh, well, we already asked you what you were grateful for, but so you said you have a sister from Rhode Island. Now, are you guys not California, like you and your sisters? Or are you not California girls?
1: No, oh, no. I was born and raised here, but I have a brother who's now passed away and I have three other sisters that live on the east coast and then one sister in North Dakota now. And then as you know, you know Becca, and she lives here in California with me. So we're all over the country.
0: Well, your sister, when I first moved to California, actually I had not even moved there yet, but when I first showed up and I had a skincare line, one of the very first stops I had, because she had worked with John and blah, 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 we met and your sister and I hit it off and became instant friends. And it really set the tone for me and my life and moving to California, she's, and then your family as I've gotten to know you guys over the years have been very, very special to me. and not just from the support, but also the friendship. And uh, so I'm truly grateful for your family because they've, I mean, they have a special place in my heart, so this is cool to have you here.
1: Oh, thank you very much. We're so
0: happy. you told, me. go ahead.
1: No, I said, we're happy to, to be friends with you and have the opportunity to, you know, be a part of what you're doing and, um, you know, we're, so it, it goes both ways.
0: Well, thank you. So you you told me that I, I, I you said something that comment caught me off guard that you were walking with the Lord like early on. Talk about that.
1: Well, I was you know raised in a Christian home. In fact, my my mom and dad were part of the Jesus movement in the seventies, and um, they you know they were infusing God into us from the moment we were born. In fact, my mom told me my first word was hallelujah but i i couldn't say it right <laughs> honolulu which is appropriate because i love travel honolulu. So either way honolulu hallelujah but um so that's the environment that that i was brought into um, but you can't donate or you can't um generationally like inherit a relationship with jesus we each have to find that on our own yeah. um so I was fortunate to to be raised in that kind of environment, but uh, that didn't, you know, promise me a spot there, you know, with him. So um, where where my relationship actually began with him was when I was six years old, and I was at the going to the grocery store with my mom. She had to run in and get something quickly, and as we were going in, we ran into one of my friends um and his mom driving in their car and they drove up in front of the grocery store and we just started chatting and i think my mom was just in a hurry and was like oh i'm gonna run in i'll be right back thinking that the mom would just stay there you know talking to me while she was in the store but that's not what happened um after a few minutes they drove off and i was alone and i got on the little you know those little rides the elephant ride that they have in front of the grocery stores. And I was just sitting there. I didn't go in to the store like I was supposed to. And I just sat there on this little elephant. And pretty soon a man came up and okay. put, put a dime in. Back then it was a dime. That's how old I am. And uh, they, he just put it in and I wrote it. And then when it was done, he said, um, I have more dimes in my car. Come to oh, my, no. my car with me. And he, you know, I think about this a lot. I mean, I might have been told don't talk to strangers and don't accept candy from strangers, you know, you tell kids things like this, but uh, I, I didn't feel like I had a choice. Um, He didn't ask me a question. He just told me, uh, you know, I have more dimes in my car, come to my car. And I remember following him. He didn't force me. He didn't hold my hand. He didn't touch me. He just started walking and I followed him and back then the, the, when you walked across the magnetic strip, the doors would, you know, open like this into the grocery store now. They're yeah. And as soon as that happened, I, I knew that I should run in. I knew that I wasn't supposed to follow him that I, I knew it. Everything in me said, run, run, run in, but I did. And I followed him to his car. And so as we got to the car, and remember he and I remember the car distinctly. I remember the color. I know exactly what he looks like. I mean, this is burned into my, you know, DNA sort of, so to speak. It's imprinted on me. Mm -hmm. Um, So he got me to the car and he opened the car door and he had me sit down. My feet were still on the ground, but my, but my body was sitting in the car. And he stood there for a minute and he asked me a question, and I didn't know what he was asking me, but I said yes. And he Whoa. unzipped his pants and exposed himself to me right there in the parking lot, broad daylight of the grocery store. And he was exposed right in front of my face. Um, and he sat there, you know, doing something to himself. And it, that's when it hit me like, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. I, wow. and I was thinking, and I did something bad and I'm going to get in trouble because I said, yes. He obviously asked me if I wanted to see it. And I said, yes. And so I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. My mom's going to kill me. You know, I, I, that was my first thought, honestly. And then my mind started racing. Um, he did that for, I don't know how long, but at, at least a minute, you know, or so. Mm-hmm. And then he put my feet, lifted my feet up and put my feet in the car and actually said to me, Oh, if you want some candy, it's under the seat. And I remember saying to him as I'm sitting in his car, I'm not allowed to take candy from strangers. And he he goes, okay. And he shut the door and he went around to the other side, got in the car and drove away with me. And I, I, get, I get chills right now. Oh. I'm I'm right there. When I'm talking about this, I'm right there. I remember it like it was yesterday. Um, so I, as he drove away with me, it hit me. I'm not coming back.
0: Oh my God!
1: I'm I'm gone. I'm gone. And he's going to do horrible things to me. And I knew it. And, um, my mom always told me if you're ever in trouble and there's no one to help you call on Jesus. (laughs) Um, and it just hit me yes that's my only hope right now so i just screamed at the top of my lungs Jesus! like that like freaking out loud and i looked over at him and i'll never forget his face and this is the moment that i knew god was real he was afraid this man was terrorized his face was filled with terror. Uh, never seen, never seen anyone so afraid in my life. I've never been that afraid in my life. The terror on his face is something I'll never forget. And I knew he wasn't afraid of me. Um, so it hit me in that moment, like, whoa, whoa, there's, there's power. There's um,
0: power. Oh, I just want to sing. There's power
1: in the name of Jesus. In the
0: name of Jesus.
1: Yes. Holy. And so I, I, at that moment, I saw that he was afraid, and I didn't know what he was going to do. I didn't. I kind of thought maybe he's going to hit me. Maybe he's going to try to knock me out to shut me up. I didn't know.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. But what he ended up doing is, as he was driving, he reached over me, and I remember ho- sucking in my stomach so he wouldn't touch me, and he leaned over me and opened up the door and pushed the door with his hand and then pushed me out of the car. And I fell and I rolled a couple times and I got up and I just started running back to the grocery store top speed as fast as I could. And by the time I got there, my mom and the the checkers and other people were outside looking for me. And um, I ran to my mom and I told her somebody tried to get me. But I didn't tell her um, that he had exposed himself to me because I thought I was going to get into trouble. Mm -hmm. And um, I just told her, you know, that he tried to get me and Jesus saved me. I called on Jesus and he saved me. Yeah, And he was, I don't, what's interesting is this part from that moment on, it's a little bit blurry. Um, I I was in shock and the trauma of what had happened has influenced my I mean, I, that part, that moment, those maybe hours foggy, but I know the police weren't called because she just was like, well, where is, you know, what, where'd he go? Mike like, he drove off. I, I don't know if they just thought like that it was pointless. Um, I certainly now as a mother would, of course, I would have been like called 911, get the news out There's We got a kidnapper on the loose, but that, that's not what happened. So I went home <clears throat> and I remember that night, i was wearing my favorite pair of uh burnt red i mean this is how i vividly i remember everything ditto jeans which were my favorite pants that i wore all the time and i went in the backyard and i got a shovel and i dug a hole and i put my pants in the hole and i burned them because i felt dirty and ashamed that i had played a part in this Um, and that I didn't tell the truth. And then I thought, well, maybe my mom would have called the police if I told the truth. And now it's my fault and he's out there and he's gonna do something to somebody else. He's gonna get somebody else and it's my fault. So I lived with that for a very long time. Um, I never told my mom until I was 16 the truth. Um, But about a year after this, almost a year after this situation or this incident happened, another boy in our town was kidnapped and murdered. He was a paper boy, he was a friend from church. And I immediately knew, I was like, oh my gosh, it's my fault, it's this guy, he got him and he killed him, it's my fault. And I lived with that for about a year um, until they caught him, the, his kidnapper, and they had a picture of him in the newspaper and it wasn't the man who kidnapped me. And I was so grateful because I thought it was my fault. And I still didn't tell anybody. I still didn't want to tell anybody the truth. Um, and like you've said so many times, it's that it's the truth that sets you free. And I was I was not free. I was not a free little girl. I was not carefree anymore. I was mistrustful. But I do I knew with certainty with 150% certainty that God was real. And that. Jesus was real and that he was extraordinarily powerful and he had the power to save you physically yeah. as well as spiritually. So then um, about a year and a half later, my parents, I guess I was at some youth like a uh, thing for kids at my church and the, the, a couple of their best friends were driving me home. Um, and I was in the backseat of a Volkswagen bug and they picked up a hitchhiker and i knew you weren't supposed to do that and this man was a bum he was he had a beard down here he was things in it he was dirty he was old he was disheveled and he was gruff and i was freaking out you have to remember i just had this horrible experience happen with this old man trying to get me mm-hmm. and now they're going to put this old man in the back seat of this car with me who's a homeless bum i was like my mother would not approve i was i was going and i kept saying no 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 don't pick him up no 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 and they just ignored me so Ooh. They, they were Jesus freaks too, like my parents, they did all kinds of crazy things that, you know, you would never, normal people would never do, but people who are so on fire for Christ, like they don't even think straight. They just go, Oh oh man, there's a homeless bomb. Let's pick them up. (laughs) Not there's a little girl in your backseat. No but they did, <laughs> so they pick up this bum and they put him in the back seat with me and I was huddled in the corner, you know, petrified that he was gonna do something to me and they started preaching the gospel to him and he was like, was and he was almost, he was making sounds, guttural sounds and he was demon possessed. And I was, again, scared. Second time and I, I just was, Uh, freaking out right and these two guys who just kept talking about jesus and saying he he can forgive your sins he loves you you were born for a purpose and i i all these things he just they just were talking him and all of a sudden i look over at him and he i actually saw he was a little boy to me about nine years old i saw him i saw his what he looked like when he was nine and i looked at him and i was like (gasps) he's a little boy, he's a little boy face. And he was like a broken little boy. He was scared. He was lonely. I could see like pain on his face of what he must have gone through as a boy. And he started to weep. All of a sudden he went back to the being his real face and he started to weep uncontrollably. And his whole countenance changed and his whole spirit changed. And then the inside of the car began to glow like a glow stick. Now, glow sticks weren't a thing back then. I don't even know if they were invented yet, but you know how you take those little things and you break them and they're green?
0: Oh, I remember all right.
1: Okay, well the whole inside of this car was like illuminated like that. And I was like, whoa, what is going on? Then I got totally distracted with that. And I was looking around the car, going, oh, what is happening? And then I look at I looked at him and he was His whole person, the demon, completely left him. And he was this beautiful man, glowing. Everything was glowing. And I was just like So they dropped me off first. Supernatural. And I ran in the house. My mom was doing laundry. And I remember grabbing her arm and pulling her vigorously down. Mom! Mom! I need you to pray with me right now. I want to ask Jesus into my heart. And she was like, okay, calm down, like calm down. It's okay. I'm like, no, no, right now. I mean, it was like (laughs) urgent, urgent. And I, I wanted, I wanted what that man got and I didn't have it. I knew I didn't have it. I knew God was real, but he wasn't real to me. Like, I mean, I didn't have that. Wow. That I'd never said those words come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins um you know i just never done that as a little child and so i she did it with me right there and so i would say from that you know those two experiences in that very short amount of time really solidified my faith um in a in a way that no one could ever talk me out of i don't care what evidence you would present to me there's no there's literally nothing that you could say to me That would make me not believe because when you've had soup, not everybody has this, but if you've had a supernatural experience, the way that I have, if you had seen the terror on this man's face, if you had seen an inside of a car glow for no reason, if you had seen, I mean,
0: Mm. no
1: one can tell me those things didn't happen. Yeah, They they were real. And I've been speaking about them since I was six years old. So it's not like I just came up with it everybody in my life knows these stories right so that's where my journey with god began now my intimacy my intimate relationship with him didn't happen until my marriage was falling apart and i had a little girl uh at the time that's a whole you know that's another story where i i really developed my relationship with him where he really became um Everything to me, and where all of a sudden the Bible, I for the first time I understood the Bible, Mm -hmm. it was the words would jump out at me, they were living. So, there's different, you know, experiences. Hold hold on a second,
0: I gotta stop you because we need to go before we get so far away from the man and the car. Okay, I don't know if you're listening or watching out there, I don't, I, if you've been through any type of trauma, I'm very curious and I would love for you to comment, but if you feel it in your spine, that that for me, I could physically feel the people's hands all over me that didn't belong there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And you shared that. Like, I'm curious if anyone else had experienced that. And then to your supernatural comment, I'm convinced the only way that I would have be, that I remain steadfast in my faith and as determined as determined as I am is because the supernatural took place. Because any other way, I wouldn't have been convinced. It yes. took that act of God in in jail for for me to go. Oh wow! This is real. This is definitely real. And at church Sunday, we talked about, we were talking about the supernatural. I mean, just experiencing God as supernatural when he speaks to us, when the Holy Spirit guides us, that's supernatural. But some of those encounters can get more and more and more intense. And like you start to, I think with this experience, I'm curious, do you, did that help you recognize early that we were in a spiritual battle? Unlike anything else,
1: um, I, I would I don't think I would have articulated it that way. What I, I realized young is there's evil in this world. It's and there we're we're not just dealing with bad people or people. Yeah. we're with principalities and powers. Mm-hmm. We're dealing with a whole other thing that is bit much bigger than we can see. So I, I guess it was more like when I, when I saw his face and this like the evil in these two men. And you know, I, I think that I just didn't know there before that I was so young, I didn't know there was evil in the world and that that, that evil was was out there as well. You know what I mean?
0: No, I hear you. Did, yeah, did understand, having that experience where you saw the homeless man delivered in real time. Mm -hmm. How did that affect your relationship with what happened to you as a child when the man nearly kidnapped you?
1: Um, I didn't connect the two at the time. And I I grew up having a great mistrust for men uh, in general. Mm -hmm. And the only two people I think that I really trusted was my dad and my grandpa, and that was it. Um, and I didn't, I grew up <clears throat> feeling, um, I was scared of old people. Um, I, cause both of them are older. Um, and I, so I, I didn't make the connection like, Oh God could maybe change this kidnapper. I didn't, you know, he changed this old bum and this old man, but he, I didn't put those two together when I was that little, no. It was more of that, um, it, you know, more basic primal instinct of mistrust. Even though I had Jesus now, um, I trusted Jesus, and I I have always trusted Him in my life. But I definitely grew up with a very big trust of, in dis, distrust of men and people in general, to be honest.
0: God, this just brings up many. It's amazing how much I can relate to your testimony. Wow. Which this, to me, I'm just sitting here going, this is the power of your testimony. You walk with, our. this showcases the power of our testimonies because no matter how much self-destruction there is or whatever, whatever level, whatever you wanna, however you wanna qualify the, the power of someone's testimony, what appears to be I've lived a regular life Sometimes that testimony can be just as powerful as the one that overcame, yeah. you know, well, all of the no evils of the world. Like you know were
1: a <laughs> what now? Yeah. And if people Would, say, well, I've never had, I've never had any um, experiences, kind of like you said, Josh, you wouldn't have believed had that mm-hmm. supernatural experience not happened to you. I often think that, like, oh, man, in the Bible it says blessed are those who don't see and still believe and i'm like wow i must have been one of those people who wasn't going to believe because i had to see for i really see i always think wow because i think it's neat when people when people truly believe in, in god and ask jesus into their hearts and they've never had any crazy experiences like you or i have then i'm always so impressed because i'm like well the i i believe cuz this happened and yeah and touched my heart so i i mean to me they're the ones with the real faith like they're i i i don't know if i would have i don't know what would happen um i only can go off my experience but i'm always very encouraged by people who don't have those experiences
0: yeah I, I i really am like i meet people that have walked with the lord their whole life and they've, you know never been divorced and <laughs> but they have all their kids and their kids love them and i'm like what What's wrong with you?
1: I feel like they have a story, too. I feel like everybody has a story.
0: I do. So I'm curious, though. So how did you – I've never actually met someone that, that you, you encountered Jesus early on, but then you had the rest of your life to live. How did you navigate – I know that traumatic things happened in your life. They had to how did you navigate? You, do you navigate it differently when you have Jesus or is it traumatic all the same?
1: Well, I don't know what it would be like to not have him. I never not, I never didn't have him. You know what I mean? Right. So I can't say, well, this is how I would have been. I only know what I am and what I was. But that trauma for sure stayed with me. I mean, I am definitely very overprotective of my kids. Um, I taught all the kids in our family, including my nieces and nephews, how to escape a kidnapper, how to keep yourself safe, what to do if you do get kidnapped, don't let them take you to the second location. I mean, I've made it, um, I didn't mean to make my kids afraid, but (laughs) to to be honest, I definitely, you know, I mean, that's the kind of mom I am because I know people always like, oh, there's so many bad things going on and child trafficking. And I'm like, this has been going on. I know myself and one other friend in the same city who were kidnapped within a year of each other. This is in the seventies. This has been going on for a long time, people, a long, long, long. So don't fool yourself into thinking that we're somehow, you know, now these things are happening. It's being brought to our attention now more and it's ramped up because, you know, there's more has got more power going on maybe now it's you know in in the world but it's been going on for a long time so um i'm still you know i i definitely think i brought that trauma with me as i Mm. grew up um and to be honest i didn't feel um i think part of my mistrust with men too was i didn't feel my dad protected me um he wasn't even there but i don't remember him like saying I'm going to go get this guy or we're going, I'm going to go, okay. You know, I don't remember having any conversation with him. I don't even remember if he ever even talked to me about it. Um, and so I, you know, when I looked back, I was like, I felt unprotected. You know, your dad's supposed to protect you from bad things happening. And he couldn't protect me First, he wasn't there and whatever. So I, even with him, I felt that. And mm. so I think I, I wanted to, I think I grew up really wanting to be protected and I felt unvaluable because that happened to me. I felt dirty. Um, So yeah, I, so I grew up my, as my teenage years, I, I developed early. So boys liked me, you know, as a young junior high girl, I looked 18 when I was 13 and I, I wasn't promiscuous, but I certainly sought out the attention of of boys that you know and and then but then i wouldn't trust them like so certainly i had issues it wasn't like rainbows and butterflies from the day i met jesus it's not it's not like your life when you meet people think when you meet jesus your life's going to be perfect Uh, (laughs) it gets harder harder some a lot of times it's just it's not we go through the same experiences as atheists and buddhists and whatever we just go through those experiences with Jesus. We're not alone. We don't have to do this life alone. That's the exciting part. I, I know, and that
0: I think that's a hard concept for even Christians to wrap their head around because they, 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 some of them live in shame because they make a mistake or they have the thoughts that they have. And I mean, look, I'm the same exact guy that I was when I was doing evil stuff. My heart's just different. I make different choices, but I still think the same. I mean, I, I'm i still the same person and we are. We just make different choices, but we're still like life comes at us the same. The devil still tries to come at us through different ways. That part doesn't change. Right. Even when we have recognize our authority and we're able to 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 cast things down or even to cast things out, we still have moments. We still have moments, yeah. and sometimes people are not able to even forgive themselves, and they have Jesus already.
1: I've experienced that for sure with with things in my marriage mm-hmm. that I'm still learning to and still struggling with forgiving myself and forgiveness for my you know ex husband. Forgiving is to me it's like a practice. It's
0: a it is. Well, it's like surrender. Yeah.
1: Like, yes. su- someone
0: says surrender is a daily practice. I'm like, I sometimes need to set my alarm clock every hour to remind me.
1: Yeah. I'm well, that
0: much of a control freak. I love it. I love it. it, I it, it, it it's really, it's, it's, but it's true. It's so true. You know, like I, I don't know why I ever think that I can do something better than God, but yeah, I sometimes do.
1: We try. And I, and and I can't. Now- I
0: feel miserable. So Absolutely. and I also love the fact that you admitted that you haven't fully forgiven yet. You haven't fully forgiven yourself. Like what a what a hard thing to say. Now the question is, what are you doing about it?
1: Well, it's interesting because god brings different people into your lives and that's why i'm doing this because i'm hoping to speak to someone who maybe says you know that that something i say sparks something in them because that's what happened with me is different people in my family um different friends um they they speak into my life they speak into my and you have as well you know from your broadcast so Um, how how, certainly praying, seeking God, you know, that the key is to seek God, especially when we want to hide, like you mentioned hiding, um, the minute (laughs) I feel like that, the minute you allow shame or guilt to come in, immediately go to him, immediately go to him. That's one way, um, that I handle it, praying, reading the word, um, but, but allowing people to speak into my life. And recently I, I had a friend speak into my life about something and he he said, you, you know, you need to forgive yourself um, because you, this is your testimony. This is part of your journey. And without it, you, they, w- w- then you don't have your testimony. I mean, if that had to happen for you to get here, just like you, I mean, if you had led this perfect you know, like you said, Ozzie and Harriet, like, you wouldn't be here today. You wouldn't be sitting. We wouldn't be talking and we wouldn't know each other. No. So, well, um, so has helped me to go, okay. This was, you know, God turns every single bad decision into good. If we surrender to him. And if we are, if our heart is for him, he he's for us, he reached out. He loved us first. And so I always think of it because I'm a parent, how much do I love my kids? No matter what they do, I'm going to love them. There's literally nothing they could do that would make me stop loving them. And I loved them first and Jesus loves us way more than we could ever love our kids way (laughs) more. So that gives me, when I have that feeling of, you know, where I take back Like, we'll leave things at the feet of Jesus, right? We'll literally, I've I've physically done that. Like, I'm like, I'm going to leave this here and I've done, and then I go back and pick it back up. You know what, I'm going to keep it for a while. I want to, I want to pet it for a while. I want to hold it close to me and then it bites me and it attacks me. (laughs) My heart, my mind. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm going to put it back. Here you go. You can have it back. It's that practice. I have to do it all the time. (laughs)
0: Oh, I try to jump back in my old grave all the time. I, I mean, literally. And I, and I don't know why. I can't explain it. I have no idea. Like, God, you've already delivered me from this. Why in the world? Why in the hell am I trying to die back in it?
1: Well, we're humans. We're human beings. And we are sinful. And we make bad decisions because of our humanness. Yeah. And that is why he had to die for us. Um, that's the point. So we can't even attempt to live a perfect life. We just need to stay close to Jesus, hang on to his hem, cry out to him, get as close as possible, hide under his wing, all of those sayings that you know all those things. That's what we are called to do. We're not called to be perfect because we never will be. It's not going to happen. Let that go. What you need, what we need to be doing or focusing on is Jesus and bringing people to Jesus and talking about Jesus and sharing our testimony. That's, that's what we need to do. We're supposed to be the light Uh, you had, I can't remember his name now, but you posted this thing and I was like, bam, wow. And my mind exploded. I sent it to a bunch of people. The guy that you had uh, that you put on there about, um, he said, what do you do when you walk into a dark room? when you're pitch black what do you what's your first thought and i was like oh my first thought is find the light turn on the light right you remember it was like last week you had this on and i was like that's it we're we need to look for the light in every situation jesus is the light and he's inside of us so you know in second corinthians it talks about um you know god god said to let the light shine out of the darkness Mm. and Even our darkness, right? We have him inside of us. So we are the light. If you know Jesus, then you're the light. So we have to shine out in the darkness of the world, especially right now.
0: (laughs) That's, golly, that's so good. I I I want to go back to um, the trauma part. And I'm, I'm fascinated with this because and I think, as if physically, I could physically feel what happened because one of my instances was was similar to that. But again, I, 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 what what stayed with me, and like, and that wasn't a physical act, as in you were molested. However, the experience in itself is traumatic and life altering to the point that it's affected how you trusted men. Let me add, I, just, I'm just out of curious about this, but did you ever have like reenactment dreams?
1: Yes. A, really? a lot. When I was little, a lot. And I actually had a reoccurring dream um, where I, and I remember it vividly, where I'm slaying, ai have a giant sword in my hand and there's a dragon coming at me and I'm, Literally going like this, and I'm, at, I'm I'm warring with a dragon, and it's trying to kill me, and yeah. I have that over and over and over again, and i just that was the whole dream. It was me trying to slay this dragon, and it happened a lot um, during that time for a few years, um, and then it would subside a little bit. Mm. Um, but I certainly since then I've had dreams where I've seen um, his face this man's face or I had I've had other experiences for instance where I used to live in Riverside there was a, a child care like a preschool mm. that I would drive by every day and guess what was in the front of that preschool the elephant that I was on and every day I, I would drive by and see that and, and it would make me ugh. I would like get that immediate trauma like a flashback yeah. and one day I was like no you know what? No, they that has no power over me anymore. And I, as I drove by that day, I was like, in the name of Jesus, you have absolutely no more power over me. I'm not going to be upset every day when I drive by this thing. You are not going to control me, Satan. I belong to Jesus. <laughs> I, started in tongues. I was like, going, you know, I just was like, come Lord right now and deliver me from this feeling of, of being attacked every day by this thing, this inanimate object and I needed to stop giving power to it. And from that day on, it never bothered me. And I had to see it every single day and it didn't bother me. And it actually reminded me of uh, the, the power of Jesus. It like changed for me.
0: So freaking cool. Like, the, the, that is taking authority in one yes. of the best ways I've ever heard it. I, and it's interesting, do you know, I chased trying to make what happened okay. I was having the night, night terrors from it. Like, that started early. The fact that I'm 41 and still have them, um, they're different, but I still have them now. And, but I I wanted it to be okay. And so, hmm. when I connected like drugs, then all of a sudden like took the thing that was the monster out of it and created a new monster by making it okay. Mm-hmm. Like that's what drugs convinced me what had happened was okay. Mm-hmm. Like I'm so grateful that you didn't have to go through that experience, mm-hmm. but it's just it's traumatic all the same. And the reason I'm even bringing this up is because there's people watching and listening right now, either experience the same thing you did but then you know life it took its own little direction and so wherever you're at and like whatever you experienced to what level of trauma god does have a purpose to it. would you agree
1: absolutely
0: what would you say then to that how have you been able to see the purpose in what happened can you talk about that purpose
1: Well, certainly I have shared this testimony with many people and then it's funny because then I've had friends who um, I've shared it with and then they want me to share it with their friends. Hey, hey, will you tell my friend this story? Will you tell my friend this story? Um, And I have been been fortunate enough to bring people to the Lord with my telling them about this and and they know that I'm a genuine person. They know I'm honest Mm
0: -hmm. and they,
1: they believe me And if that happened to you, then I believe it. And that speaks to them in their life. Um, So in that sense, that's where the power um, of what has happened, I have turned it for good and God has turned it for good because I've used it to share um, my testimony. I mean, I'm a teacher and there've been times when it's, we, you know, we, in my writing class, where you talk, we talk about, Um, things, you know, a traumatic event that we're going to write about something that happened. And they'll say, well, has anything like that ever happened to you? And (laughs) I tell them my story. And I'm, you know, so I'm able to, you know, I can't proselytize to students, but I I can share something, an experience that happened to me. Um, So I think I'm just, (laughs) I, I mean, that was my whole point of wanting to come on. I think by the sharing, that's how we get people to know Jesus and get to experience the kind of peace that surpasses all understanding that makes no sense that you and I have experienced is not by beating them over the head with Bible verses or saying, I've had, I I had a man that I dated who said, 'I, I don't, believe i don't like christians and i don't believe in christian because because all i ever heard growing up from christians was you're gonna burn in hell for this and you're gonna burn in (laughs) nobody i ever knew talked like that so i'm sorry that you had that experience but that's not who i am and that's not who he is he's a loving and merciful god and he wants us all to be with him and so you don't get You know, that turned him away from God, which is so sad. Um, I I think that we don't, that's not what we're called to do. No, we are called to love people and express that light of God through us and let that light shine and expose ourselves, which is, like I said, really the only reason I watch or listen to you to be honest, or that I'm friends with you, is because you're so honest and because you expose yourself. And Becca and I had talked about this, my sister, um, that most people exp- will share the bad things they've done or the bad choices they make after, when God has redeemed all of it. <laughs> you share right when you're in the middle of it. And that <laughs> is so powerful. That's so powerful. Yeah. That is your superpower.
0: That, listen. When God, when that, this all started, I mean, I was pretty bold, but when it came to like in the real time struggles, talk about it.
1: Right.
0: I am, I've never been more grateful for a meth relapse in my life.
1: Because, <laughs> uh, That's terrible. That's terrible.
0: But what I learned from it, like oh, okay. that encounter with God where he said, I want you to put a spotlight on your shadow world. Wow. And, and he gave me all the reasons why. And I it's not fun. I shared at the beginning, it's not like it brings me joy. I know that when I walk into a room, some people do look at me like I'm a leper. Like I I and I'm but I am so comfortable with my testimony and what God has done, is doing, and will do that it's worth it to me just to go, this is what's up. And I know God will use it. And you know, is as much as my, you know, the 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 look, the sex thing is like it's a struggle for people, like it lust is a struggle for people, like because we're wired and it's hard to avoid and who doesn't like boobs? You know, I mean it just it's it's I think how would I have to tear my eyes out? Like what do I do? But it's it's all like human nature stuff. But like I'm so grateful that I shared it because it allowed me to have a peaceful weekend. Because I, I removed the cloud that was hanging over me. And I was like, look, I know I'm exposed, but I'm not gonna be perfect either. And 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 I that's the point. I want people to understand that you can love the Lord with all your heart and still screw up. Yes. You can still have net bad thoughts. But Jesus still loves you. And the part of the, the greatest gift and and uh, the greatest promise of all is that God will use everything that was meant to destroy you, Amen. to destroy the enemy with? Amen. Exactly. That's why your testimony matters so much. Like those of you that are telling your telling yourself that your testimony is, ins- is insignificant, right. you're lying to yourself. It matters because not everybody's going to have the ears to hear mine. Right. But as we can see by the thousands of comments here people are relating to what you're saying oh good and you didn't prostitute yourself you didn't get hiv you didn't do any of those things
1: thank you but
0: i do want to talk about your sister says here (laughs) morgan's cancer what's that all about
1: okay well during this time when so fast forward to when my marriage was falling apart when my when my daughter my oldest daughter's 22 was about four at the time, Morgan, her daughter got anaplastic, large cell lymphoma around the same time. We also had a good friend of ours die, um, unexpectedly in a terrible way. Um, all of these things were happening at the, at the same, you know, swirling around at the same time. You know how, like when it, it's like a complete attack, you just feel hard pressed, cr- you know, persecuted, but not crushed, as, as Jesus says. Um, <laughs> we were we were hard pressed on all sides. Let's put it mm-hmm. that way. And um, so we, th- I, I did have an experience, you know, of course, Becca, when I first heard that Morgan had cancer, she was 12 years old. I was in a grocery store with my daughter. And I got the phone call. And I, I collapsed on the floor of the grocery store. And, um, I thought, cause my first thought is she's dead. She's dead. Oh. That's oh, you know, that's it. I didn't have any other thoughts of, except it was like, she she died. It's like, they called me and told me she died. That's how I felt that day. And I collapsed and then I got up and I remember I walked out of the grocery store and I forgot my daughter, which is ironic since I was kidnapped. I was
0: about to <laughs> say, did you have
1: she was like four and a half, five. so she oh. followed me out. Thank God. And anyway, through that process, like you know, of course, Becca's thinking her child's gonna die. We're all just not doing well in constant prayer. My dad, literally laying on the hospital floor, begging God to take his life and not not Morgan's. Mm. I mean, we were a disaster of a family, uh, but crying out to God. And I had an experience at that time. Um, as I said, this is what kind of the time period when I started to have an intimate relationship with Jesus and I was so broken during that time and so depressed. And, um, when I say depressed, I use the example a lot to explain to people the level of my depression. Um, I couldn't chew food, chewing was exhausting. Oh. I, I remember putting a burrito from Del Taco in my mouth and I chewed like three times and I went and I spit it out because I was too tired, my jaw hurt. I was too tired to chew. I was just that low and I'd lost like 15 pounds and I wasn't doing well mentally, emotionally, anyway, physically um and all of this was swirling around and i had no choice but to cry out to god and beg him to pull me out of the muck and mire um and beg him i mean i was literally there were times when i couldn't pray you know how it says if you can't pray the holy spirit will pray for you will intercess for you i, I couldn't pray sometimes i would just sit there and go uh-huh uh like I I was in a fetal position, a ball on the floor um but he he reached down and out for me and there was a, a part of my depression too it wasn't just about my marriage, what was going on but also about Morgan and thinking she was gonna die and I was praying one day and reading my Bible and the Lord told me and we oh let me back up the we had just met with the oncologist and the oncologist said, She's going to start her chemotherapy, and then her radiation. Her hair is going to fall out. She's going to vomit every day. Try to bulk her up, get her fattened up. You know, told us what was going to happen, all these bad things. And in fact, I remember everybody was like, "We're all going to shave our heads." And I was teaching at Cal State Fullerton at the time, and I'm like, "I can't shave my head." You know, everybody's like, "Yeah, we're all going to shave our heads." I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh, I don't want to shave my head. And, um, <laughs> That's my, that's the honest truth that not a, not a good look for me, but that's the truth that came, that thought entered my mind. And then anyway, I was praying one day reading and the Lord told me literally not verbally, but I mean, it was almost, and he said, Morgan is not going to die. She's not going to get sick and she's not going to lose one hair of her head on her head. And I was like, "What?" and I, I felt like. And I knew I had to tell my sister, and I didn't want to, because what I was afraid of is if I was wrong and she mm. died, that Becca would lose her faith because of me because I opened my mouth when I shouldn't have. And so I didn't tell her right away. and it was gnawing at me. It was like yeah. like you said that it was he was like bang 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 banging on that door and tell her, tell her tell her, tell her. And I was like, no, 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 no. I can't. What if it's me? I don't know if it's you. I'm not sure if it's you. And i I wrestled with that for a long time. And so powerful. It was like every moment of every day, he was yelling that in my ear, yelling at me. And for, I don't know how long it went. I don't know the time frame, if it was a week or two, but I couldn't take it anymore. I was, mm-hmm. I felt like, he was attacking me almost because you know, <laughs> I wouldn't do what he told me to do. I wasn't being obedient and I was giving it and I'm like, just shut up. I'll, I'll tell her, just shut up. Stop <laughs> telling you know. so
0: telling I, God I, to I shut up.
1: <laughs> I, um,
0: I cursed your mouth. I did not so.
1: use that word, but I was like, please leave me alone. And I finally told her, I was scared to tell her. But I go, guess what I know, you know, and she trusts me, but this was new, you know, to have the Lord. I'm like, I think this sounds crazy. I know this sounds absolutely crazy, but Jesus told me she's not going to die and she's not going to get sick and she's not going to lose her hair. And she was like, but the oncologist just told us that she is the very rare form of cancer. No, I think she was the youngest child or she was the only child who had ever had it at chalk. I think the next oldest person was a 22-year-old man in Germany. So they didn't even know how to treat her, really. They were getting the protocol from Germany. and um, But she was like, okay, I'm going to stand on that. I mean, certainly we were still, she probably was still fearful. You'd have to talk to her about that. But I wasn't anymore. I mean, I literally knew from that moment, 100% certainty once I told her that, Morgan was gonna be fine and I wasn't gonna to have to shave my head. I was so happy. And she's fine. And she never lost, she never got sick, she never lost a hair of her head. So it was accurate.
0: Wait, you saved her ovaries too?
1: Oh uh, yeah. Did you we, save her ovaries? So they were Yeah, they were gonna do surgery and radiation on her. And um I the doctor in with the surgeon and I said, Well, wait a minute if she has radiation in her ovaries, then where, what about if she wants to have children and they said, we're not, we're not worried about her having children. We're just trying to save her life. And I said, well, I know for a fact she is going to live. And so she might want to have kids. So what are we going to do about it? <laughs> um, and I think I just nonchalantly said something like, well, can you move her up ovary to the other side? And they go, yeah, we can. So they did. So she this has is, both her is, on the, one side of her, yeah.
0: I, uh, I'm, you know, it's it's so funny because when I kind of felt like I wanted to, the way, the interviews that I wanted to do were people sharing their testimonies, and I so I've been able to have a lot of really powerful, different type of testimonies. That were just like, oh my God! You like you wouldn't see this in a mafia movie or a serial killer movie. Some of this stuff. This has been the fa- my favorite testimony that I've ever heard. What and oh, I love this, oh and God. you're not here promoting anything. You're just here to share your love of God and That's like. Awesome. I'm glad. i love this.
1: <laughs> well, we should all of it. I funny. mean, I, don't,
0: I look. I'm sorry for your trauma, but I'm grateful for how you're using it.
1: I'm grateful for it. I wouldn't go back and change anything.
0: Oh, geez.
1: Definitely not. Would if, if I change that, if I could go back and change not that not happening to me, mm. then I might not be here today. I might not love Jesus. I'm not risking that. No, no, no. Yeah. I'll, keep my, I'll keep my trauma. Thank you very much. I want to keep it. I have no regrets on that. Yeah.
0: You know, I and I and I say this thing, like, and I've got a laundry list of things that are regrettable, you know, but like even the one that is always the thing for me that's always caused me the most shame and problems is sex, like everything centered around sex for me from being molested and how I acted on all of it, the drugs and sex and all of that. Battling my sexuality, not knowing what was real, and you know, like it, it just all of that, that has been so tormenting to me. I am mm. grateful for, and I'll never forget the time. I, I I I haven't had many moments where I've been able to go. I'm grateful for this 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 particular thing, but I remember being in an Uber one time. I was in Los Angeles, and I I love to do Uber Share. I, I love meeting strangers. I love, um, I, I just love the random chance meetings that you have with people. And so I always did over overshare that and it was cheaper, <laughs> whatever. Um, so I'm sitting there in the car and I'm getting a word and I don't get words. I get visions for people. I don't really get a word and I'm going, what? And I hear God going, tell him I said I love him just the way he is." And I'm like, what? I'm not telling the Uber driver that. I go, confirm, I need you to confirm, confirm. He says it again, I need you to confirm. And like there's people in the car still, then all of a sudden we drop them off. And now God is screaming it in my ears. Tell him I love him just the way he is. And I go, okay, if I look like an idiot, I'm not gonna be happy about this. I
1: don't think so. I look at him. Worried. I'm in the passenger. You're looking like an idiot, Josh. Do what? I said. I don't think that's your wor- that you need to be worried about that.
0: Being your worst. <laughs> you're you're exactly right. So I I look at him and I go, listen. I go. I, this is this is gonna sound really really crazy, but I feel like God is telling me, tell you that He loves you just the way you are floodgates of tears oh, bawling his eyes out and he starts crying he goes thank you for that and I was like what does that mean he goes I've been shunned from the church because I came out as gay and I've been no. bat- battling knowing mm. that God loved me I thought I thought God abandoned me when the church rejected me wow I'm like, okay. I don't and get words get often.
1: When things like that happen, oh. you're obedient. It's so exciting.
0: It's obedience is the coolest. Um, yes. when, you, when you get to see why you're obedient, it's the coolest thing in the yes. world.
1: And, we don't
0: always get to it. You're right. Oh. So yeah, that was one of those moments. I wish I got more words. Because it's, it's like a it's like a great party trick when you get a word from somebody and you can blow their mind. <laughs>
1: I've had that. It doesn't happen to me often. I, I've had that, but I've also had visions um which are bizarre to me. They're like little movie clips and it's I'm always like, whoa, it's happened not a lot, but a few times. Very powerful.
0: Yeah. Well, and I'm getting, you know, I was sharing that I get visions now for people or I see things that are coming. And you know, I've been wrong. <laughs> T- been wrong about the timing but I typically like God reveals it to be true and uh it's uncomfortable sometimes because when you see what God and the you and show you something and the reason he wants you to act and you have that choice to be obedient it sometimes it leaves you out in the cold so to speak where you feel naked and bare going why did I do that now I feel like a crazy person yes but The obedience always pays off. Like I'm, I don't. I wish I would have learned obedience early on in my walk, but you know, whatever. It didn't happen that way, but I'm grateful it did now. And I'm grateful for your obedience uh, for sharing your testimony because this has rocked my world, and I'm beyond grateful to do this.
1: That's awesome.
0: Well, uh, thank you for being here, Jess. Do you have any last words that you want to give for the audience?
1: Um, I think two things. One, um, I, I feel to. I don't know who it's for. Um, I feel to give the verse, um, in Hebrews 11. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. So as I said, me and you, you know, I supernaturally, we saw it, we saw it, but not every, you don't need to experience things the way we did to experience the true love, forgiveness, mercy, grace, compassion, um, of Jesus. You don't have to go through bizarre, crazy things to experience his love for you. And, and he, if, if someone's listening um, and they're wondering about that, this is your sign. This is your weird, crazy thing or whatever. It's hearing <laughs> it, us. Um, so that's one thing. Um, and also, you know, I, I was thinking about when you kept asking me, what do you want to promote? And I don't have anything to promote really. But then a couple of days ago, the Lord gave me this. So I'm excited. It was really, remember, I sent you um, the video of the guy, the new age guy who came to Mm -hmm. Jesus. Uh, His testimony is amazing. I think he'd be great on your show. But um, that just spoke to me so much. And it made me realize, just like you were saying, I want people to just come on and share their testimony. I got really inspired by that. And I, I just was like, I, I love hearing people's testimonies. And this is how we reach people, especially right now with the way the world is. Um, we need to get our thoughts off politics and on Jesus. And so I, a couple of days ago, I just started, I just made a Facebook page called My Testimony. There's nothing there. There's nothing on it. I kind of put it out in faith and um so I'm going to I want to put my testimony on there. If you want to put your testimony or my mom wants to anybody I know anybody they can um, a- let me know. We'll put them on. We'll put little videos or people want to type it. I just want people's testimony out there so other people can be encouraged by. It. So I am promoting something. Woo! There it you,
0: goes. Well, do you want to pro uh, um promote your uh, sister's on Oh
1: yes love to thank
0: you. That. Oh, That's what I was hoping that you were going to say. I mean, I like this a lot, well, by the way. That,
1: that is, that's her testimony. And she should come on. This is a challenge for oh. her. But she's listening. She should come. She's got an amazing journey. Oh my gosh. I can't even. Um, That I don't think I would have survived. She's literally the strongest woman that I know. And um, her journey is unbelievable but one of the things that really good that came out of something really horrible for her her one of her so her first daughter had a very rare form of cancer her second daughter got type 1 diabetes as you know and she started out of her own desperacy of trying to connect with other parents she started a nonprofit foundation called t1d mod squad Um, mod squad standing for mothers of diabetics but there's aunts and uncles, there's dads on there now there. So, and she's got literally thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of members on there, which saddens us that there's so many and it's growing because there's so many families affected by type one diabetes and there's so much miseducation. People don't understand the disease at all. So she Mm -hmm. does a lot of educating. She does a ton of fundraising, um, and all the money goes towards families um for medical devices for diabetic alert dogs so she she's an amazing person and she is helping literally thousands i can count on my hand how many people i've helped she is touching thousands of lives so you got to get her out you got to get her on here
0: she knows she's always welcome it's www dot says www before the web address now um t the number one D M O D S Q U A D dot org. You guys check them out. I put it on the screen here. Um, I and I'm very proud of her too because I've watched this journey. And when you said thousands, I was like, I remember when she started by herself. That? Like it was there was one person, her and her daughter, and then the yes. dog. Yes.
1: Unbelievable. Yeah now when people go to hospitals and their di- child is diagnosed with type one diabetes, the nurses and doctors are the ones pr- promoting her and saying, you need to get connected on T1D. Yeah. And there's thousands. Oh my I don't even know. Like 17, people.
0: What, wait, 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 say that again.
1: I said, I don't, I don't ask her, but I don't know the exact number, but I feel like it's like seven sixteen, seventeen thousand 17,000 people on her Facebook page for, and yeah. Oh,
0: wow. She can correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Okay, yeah. (laughs) Your sister called you out. Are you going to let your sister call you out and you do nothing about it? Yes, (laughs) she has. 18,000, she says.
1: Oh, see, I'm wrong. It's more. Every day it's another.
0: Wow. Unbelievable. Jess. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing your testimony. So, so cool. Thank you for doing this.
1: Thank you for having me. It was so fun. I would. I love talking to you and I'll be praying for continued success for you. Thank you. God bless you.
0: I will see you soon. Thank you. Right. Bye. Bye-bye. Jessica Rappaport, everyone. Absolutely unbelievable. And when I say like a regular person sharing their testimony, like I, I just mean that, you know, people, like, first of all, when I hear a preachers give their testimony, they're lousy at it. <laughs> like they're lousy because they don't want to, they like surface over all the stuff that matters. I don't know what that is. I don't, are they afraid their congregation's going to judge them? Like if I truly am an evangelist, I want to break all of those rules. Because I want to be the one that's behind a pulpit, even though I don't really like pulpits, um, behind a microphone, behind whatever, and is willing to be vulnerable and, and say, like, look, I love the Lord, but I'm struggling with this right now. Not, I just got over it. Like, in the moment, I'm struggling with this. Like, I, there's something about regular folk that when they share their testimony, there's this a rawness, a pureness to it. Maybe there's no agenda. They just, they're just want to celebrate what God's done for them. I don't know. But she, Rebecca, not Rebecca, that's her sister, Jessica, proves how powerful a regular testimony is. It wasn't so regular, was it? She'd walked. I thought, well, what the heck are we going to talk about? She served the Lord from a child on. What does she have to say? Most powerful testimony. Look, it's impacted me the most. What she said about um, talking about her relationship with her father. Every time I, I meet a woman, a grown woman, and I hear them talk about their father, it makes me, it hurts because I think about not being there for my kids. And, you know, God has graciously brought my oldest daughter back in my life. And I'm fortunate for that. I'm still believing that the twins will come back to me. Um, I still believe, I still believe that. I still believe that God is going to restore everything I've lost and more. He's restored a lot of it. Um, my twins coming back would be amazing. But I think about that and it's impacted me, but it also, and I wanna say this part because I feel it matters because there's a lot of you that have had children um, brought put back into your life uh, we have people from all walks of life that have experienced all types of hardships that watch and listen but i want to say this part of it god will restore what you've lost and and then part of the way He's restored is he's given me two little girls um to be the father of now a four and five year old and and i think about and i'm not perfect by any means but i think about like what you know, like I can make up for – I can't directly make up for not being there for my oldest daughter the way that I should have been. I can't directly do that except for be there for her now and be there for her um, – her my grandchild that's going to be born soon. I can do that, and then I can be a, a great father to the – you know, to, to Brinley and Charlotte now. And I believe, though, in doing so, God will bring me back my twins. So I'm saying all of this to say that God will restore your life. And, and, and what happens on the journey with, with walking with the Lord is, for in my experience, and maybe you can relate to this, maybe you can't, is that after that supernatural experience with the Holy Spirit, there's a high, a high that I couldn't... There wasn't enough meth and cocaine and ecstasy in the world to give me this kind of high. And, but then the high wore off and then life happened. But the difference was from all the other times that I tried to turn my life around, I was committed to doing the work to get better, to get well, to grow closer to God, which meant having a quiet time, what meant being in his word. But then it was learning how to apply what I was learning from the Word to my life that taught me how to retrain triggers. It taught me how to 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 navigate life different, to make better, more loving choices for myself. Because you know, I didn't exactly make loving choices for myself. There's nothing loving loving about putting meth in your body for four days straight and having sex with strangers. There's not. There's not anything loving about the choices that I was making, but I learned to, to move, to, to to make new decisions, new decisions, new decisions. And then I learned about obedience. And when I fully started walking in obedience and practicing it, and if I messed up, part of obedience is like, it doesn't mean you can't mess up because you will mess up and it's okay. But part of obedience means when you do mess up and you're, you're aware of your mistake, you're aware of your sin, you're aware of your you know, backtracking or going off the wrong path. When you're aware of that, you repent. You turn away from it. And you get back on the path that God has set before you, the one that leads to your destiny. And the more in obedience you walk, the more you say no to the things that you should say no to, and yes to what you should you'll notice that the things that you lost start to come back into your life. And it's called restoration. God is not going to restore you until you're ready. God's not going to restore the things in your life until you've proven. He's not going to restore the things that you've lost in your life until you've proven that you can be a good steward of what you have. That's finances. That's family. That's love it's job, career, all of it. So I felt led to share that. Hope it makes sense. Thank you so much for being here. Jessica, your testimony, just truly, truly special. And I commend you for that. If you're out there watching, listening, or even reading, because you know, this does turn into a blog also. um, And you want to share your testimony. I don't care how gross you think it is or how crazy you think it is or how innocent it is, how innocent it is to you, you're welcome on Gratitude Unfiltered because um, your light deserves to shine. His light deserves to shine through you, through all possible mediums. God bless you. Thank you for being here. Um, And thank you for your support. See you guys soon.